Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. So, where are we today? We are in our apartment. It's rainy, it's cold, there's a pandemic. Nothing's open. May I ask you if you left your apartment today? I did. I told you I was walking around my beautiful neighborhood. So, unless your beautiful neighbor has a microclimate, today was surprisingly sunny. It was cold as hell, but it was sunny. Yeah, so I, I only left for a little bit to go to the grocery store and mm -hmm. all of the streets were wet. Like, but I mean, everything was wet. It was clearly rain, but in this room that I spend 99% of my time in, there's two skylights, so I always hear rain and I was confused why I didn't hear anything today. <laughs> yeah, today it didn't rain. I mean, at least I, I went out uh, like at 11 in the morning. It was not rainy, it was not wet or anything. And in the whole afternoon, it didn't rain. Yesterday, it rained like crazy. But really? So I went and bought, I went to the store like 45 minutes before the, the recording. So like 4.15 and the streets were wet. Now? Uh, well, maybe, sorry, maybe it rained at that point, but it's like uh, after watching the movie and I finished watching it like at four, I went to the bedroom and I was just playing some video games and it's like, I had my window open. <laughs> now you're making me doubt, you know, it's like, uh, and I didn't realize that it was rainy. I didn't actually just pay attention to it. But now you maybe it was a really thorough street cleaning, and I didn't realize. <laughs> maybe it was that. Who knows? She knows the tenderloin. Everything is possible. It's where dreams go to die. Where dreams go to become addicts. Exactly. Uh, so, what did we watch today? We watched the 1989 feature film debut of one of our favorite directors, Michael Haneke. The Seventh Continent. You didn't use the word masterpiece. I was just waiting, you know, for the ultimate adjective that you were going to use. I, I gave up the, the masterpiece joke. <laughs> with like a new thing. I mean, <laughs> would I call this a masterpiece? I don't know. You'll have to listen to the next 40 minutes of us talk about it. <laughs> you actually call Gosford Park a masterpiece. Just saying. <laughs> so. You call for a while. You were calling all the all the movies a masterpiece. There was no criteria. Let's just leave it there. So that's the reason why I'm surprised that you stopped. And now you have like, would I call it? You call everything. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we were the second continent. And this was actually your peak, I think. Yeah, it was. And what did you pick? Yeah. Especially um, after warming on the merits of a nervous breakdown. So I think it just. I, I don't. I, I don't know why, besides, I think, as we were texting today, I felt like a little bit of emotional self-harm, which is Hanukkah. Um, in my mind, this was way more an experimental film than what I saw. Like, when I, I saw this years and years and years ago, and I remember it being almost wordless. Like, there were sounds. There was a ton of dialogue. Like, a ton. I was super confused. I had to say, I had to say that as you told me that it was going to be a mostly silent movie, I was thinking about like doing some work alone that is okay, you know, I can keep an eye on the movie, you know, but it's like I don't have to read subtitles. It's going to be like probably like fairly slow pace. So I can actually just get the gist, look down, keep doing like a bit of work and then just, you know, multitask a bit. No, no freaking way. No, no. There is a lot of dialogue. It opens up. I think that it actually opens up with the, the writing of the letter. No, the yeah, writing of the letter is like, or, or five minutes into the movie, and it's like, no, stop talking. 
I, I, I was blown away because I remember it being so different than it was, uh, which I think is interesting. I, I wonder why that is, because clearly to me, what stood out was the third act, which I thought the entire movie was like the third act. No, there were two third acts. Yep. The interesting thing is like, I didn't know, usually I don't read too much about movies. It's like even for the next one that we're going to be watching, I don't even know what it's about. I don't. You know, and on this one, I said, I said, look, I'm pretty sure that this movie is like every other Haneke movie is about making me feel terrible. Do I need to know how he's going to achieve that? No, I'd rather really be a surprise. And honestly, the third act took so long to take place that I felt like, what, the f- what is going on? And when it was like a movie, an hour into the movie, I actually went to check online, like, when was this movie released? And they actually, on the summary, says explicitly that like, this is the story about blah. Oh. Like, yeah. Yeah, Damn so, it. yeah, it was a bit more like, well, it would have been a bit more impactful, I think, if I had actually realized it. It would have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because basically it's like a, and I was thinking, I was going to be asking you, when is the first time? Well, let me just give like a brief summary. Basically, yeah, so tell, like, me, tell me, Jose, what was this about? This is a middle class, a mid-class family, well, mid-high class family. Like upper middle class, probably. Yeah, upper middle class. Exactly like the type of family that Haneke likes to talk to in his movies. He's like, he's like to target. They were so bland. They were like the everyman. Just... Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like the parents and a daughter, a little daughter. The mother works in a glasses shop, in a glass shop with a with his brother, with her brother. The father works in a ophthalmologist, yeah. Uh, The father works in a factory kind of thing, in some kind of chemistry position. Uh, He's very dedicated to work. And they are coming back from recovering from the wife's mother death that devastated her brother. So they invite him over for just cheering him up after a while, and uh, he started just crying. But everything feels like it's, it's fine. At the, up to this point, everything is fine. The movie jumps like two years later, and everything is still fine. The, uh... Sorry, the, uh, the husband is still working, the shop is going okay. They even like just go to visit the, uh, the husband's parents to the village, something. And when they came back, it's like, there is another, so there are like three narrations across the movie of letters that they are writing to their parents, to the husband's parents. It may be the wife or him. So there is a narration after coming back saying that it's like, oh, by the way, I'm leaving my job. I am my job, I don't want to tell you anything because I know that we were just- It's just on a big promotion. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm leaving my job, you know, it's like I know that we were like just discussing about it, I didn't want to just uh, like uh, spoil this visit. I wanted to just enjoy the time that we had together, but uh, I've been thinking about it and I think this will have to do. And from that point, we see how their behavior changes. I mean, they, they just basically go crazy. I don't know if I actually missed something. It's like, were the were they cues about like this building up towards this? Is that they start like just uh, withdrawing all their money from their accounts. They start, uh, how do you say, like just buying really expensive food they start like just like preparing for something 
is like every single time that is like when people are asking about like what is this about is that they give like a different kind of narrative they say that they're going to like just move into australia that they just have like a special occasion they say when they're buying the food they say something like that that is like it's like a special occasion but it's not a wedding that they the the shop girl keeps asking oh is this for an event no oh so you're having guests over and she's like no this is just for my family <laughs> yes yeah. uh but yeah and they buy also like a lot of tools so it's like up to that point i don't know if i actually miss something but it's like i i feel like there is no real signal about what is going to happen yes i agree and that's up why to I that point <laughs> up to that point and then immediately 10 minutes after the previous narration there is another narration where they're like writing a note that you suppose that is a letter but it's not a letter it's a suicide note and they talk about like the daughter that they were thinking about like what to do with their daughter as they're going to be like going on a travel that they're going to be like just going away and they were like just doubting hesitating if they should leave it with the uh, with the husband's parents or they should take it with her and as we see multiple times the daughter across the movie doing some a bit of foreshadowing there is a, every single night she wants to leave the light on and when they tell him no that her no is that she actually prays and she's like dear god when i die i hope that i can just be by your side yeah so on the note they say is that well it looks like the idea of death doesn't scare her at all so we're going to be like taking it with us and then we have like i sit you not 20 minutes of home wrecking that is like this kind of very bland perspective that we had of a very average family in austria is that now we see them destroying everything that I feel is like, wow, this is very experimental. You know, is that you're doing a statement here about like the, uh, how do you say, like the uh, destruction, the, the construction and destruction of the middle class in Austria, about like how they are like just breaking all their memories, breaking all their clothes, destroying all the furniture, destroying everything that they have been gathering for so many years. Is that now it's gone? Is that these families are basically gone? Including they, they sold their car, they took out all the money from the, their banks, they shredded <laughs> the money and flushed it. And flushed it uh, on the drain. Did they miss anything? And then they basically just commit suicide. They poisoned the, uh, the little daughter. So they have like the last dinner, let's say, like with all the fancy food that they, uh, that they ate. And the next morning is that they basically commit suicide. Well, the next, sorry, the next morning they destroy everything on the house and then at night they commit suicide. They kill the little girl, then the, uh, the wife like takes some sleeping pills or whatever, they kill herself, and then the husband is the last one to go. And we see how he's like just, he throws up first and then he takes like another, so yeah. But it's like 20 minutes of home destruction. There is a, I get it. I get it. Okay, you're not being subtle about this. I get it. Yeah, initially the family wanted to just take a sledgehammer to everything, and they're like, no, this isn't good enough. We're going to have to do this uh, methodically. So then they just like tear up their books one by one, and the daughter cuts up her drawings, and they rip up the couch with a knife. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot. And um, I am a little bit sad that the ending was spoiled for you because. Well, I agree with everything you described. You and I like to use the um, the metaphor about the frog in the boiling pot. 
Like it's, everything is just normal. There's little things that are off, like depression, a death in the family. Um, and you have these like epistolary moments where we're getting insight into the minds of these people, like from their writing. Um, but things just get progressively, like you have no idea where this is going. And then I, I genuinely feel like the third act, the first time you're to watch this film, is pretty impactful. Like, you you just think, no, there's no way this is what they're doing, and ultimately the death. Um, yeah, no. I, it's a very, very, very strange film. Yeah. And it's so, a first. Yeah. Let me just uh, read the summary that you can find on Google. If you look for the seven continents, like, this is the summary. Three members of a middle class and alienated family prepare to kill themselves. <laughs> Which is completely true. It's accurate. Well, but the thing is, like, a, it only happens in the last 30 minutes. You know, is that you have one hour, you have 70 minutes of not preparing to kill themselves, not even having like a reference to what's like killing themselves. And it's like, so for me, it was like when I read this, like, what? I think that it was like 40 minutes into it. He said, like, where are the signs that this is happening? He said, like, when you say about like the boiling frog, is like, yeah, I agree, for example, on network. I think that is the first time that we discuss about it. But for me, on this case, I feel is that they are not unhappy. Is that, did I, am I missing something? So I think the first time that for me, it's clear they're, they're considering this like murder-suicide pact is in the last letter, which comes from the son to his own parents. And, and the first letters came from his wife to her in-laws, where he says, well, we've completely made this decision. We're 100% sure this is right for us. Um, but deciding the fate of a, someone else is, is really difficult. So, but then he's like, but you know her. She's she's like not afraid of her death. She's into it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the third letter. That's the third letter when things actually just click, you know. But is that there is a second letter from the husband, you know? At least I understand that these two are different. You know, there is a that letter is just saying about like, I just left my job, blah blah blah, you know. And there is that there is still like some days that happen, you know. And it's like when you have like the sequence of them like just buying everything and preparing for this and then there is the other note i understood that they were like two different they may be the same so you didn't you didn't get that they weren't happy i i i got that they were like just completely average blunt middle class people so i i got the impression um so I will say that the visuals are just stunning in this. Like, yeah. they, they carry this entire film. It's essentially very much like 71 fragments of a chronology of chance, where it's almost like disjointed, but somewhat connected, beautiful visuals that tell a story in a removed clinical way, like we love about Hanukkah. But I definitely picked up, and again, I'd seen this film before, but the repetitive, depressing nature of everything that you see in, that this family does is so depressing to me. And it's just little things like we watch the family go through a car wash in real time and they don't talk. And it's like what they do is they wash their car, they tuck their kid in, they go to bed, they sleep, they wake up, they do it all over again. And again, I have the benefit of having seen this film before, but I could see in them they're just like, they're, they stopped being willing to engage with 
life because they felt isolated. They felt like there's really nothing more to this. And I could be projecting because I'm not in the best of spirits lately. So I was like, oh yeah, I get it. Murder-suicide makes sense. <laughs> no, I mean, the reason uh, that I feel a bit iffy is that uh, I just felt that this was more conceptual than narrative. You know, it's like all the scenes that I, I agree that they're gorgeous. They're like many scenes where you only see their hands and they're inter interact sorry interacting with physical stuff. That is about like just buying something or just consuming something. So I felt like it's not so much about this family as it's about the society per se. You know, so I didn't get it like about them like taking them as real characters. I took them just as placeholders for the middle class. And it was a bit more of a critique, you know, about like the middle class is just about consuming, it's about like just going through life. And that you may have like weird stuff that happens to you, you know, like your daughter pretending that she's going blind in classes when you're an that, ophthalmologist. That really bothered me. I was like, okay, like we, we get it. Yeah. The daughter of the ophthalmologist pretends to be blind. I was like, mm, you can be more subtle, Hanukkah. Yeah. Um, but I will say, so have we said that this is based on a, a real family that did these things exactly? We have said yes, yeah. yeah. So um, Hanukkah read a story about an Austrian family where essentially no one really knows what happened, but they found the result. This family had destroyed absolutely everything they owned. They flushed their money down the toilet. Um, they killed the daughter and then killed themselves. Um, but Hanukkah, predicted to the producer that audiences would be upset with watching money be flushed down the toilet. They would be more upset about that than about the parents killing their own kids, no, yeah. Yeah. which is what happened um, because uh, destroying money is more taboo than parents kill killing their child and themselves. Um, hmm. Which I will say that as a capitalist, I was like, what the hell? But I was more so shocked by the murder-suicide. Like, uh, can we talk about listening to the mom's death rattle for like seven minutes? Because that was awful. The death rattle? What did you mean? So we were looking at a close-up of the father's face while the mom is essentially dying at his side, but you hear her breathing, but she clearly has vomit, and you just hear this horrible thing that oh, never yeah. stops. Yeah, but it was not really seven minutes. It was like one minute or so. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely exaggerating. But if you think about listening to someone die slowly for one minute, it, I had a really, really hard time with that scene. And I, I wanted it to be over. Yeah. So I agree. I agree. But it's like at the same time, it's just like I was saying, is that for me, these characters were not too real. I mean, they feel a bit more of just placeholders. You know, they feel a bit more is like, this more about like the concept, more about like the what it happens today. That is true that Haneke likes to do a bit of that too. You know, there is a, a tragedy maybe happening here, but I have like a higher kind of concept that I'm trying to present. But in this case, for me, I I didn't connect too much with that. So so I, I know that you, um, you found out the ending, but after you had watched two thirds of the film, did you know that it was based on true events when you watched it? 
No, I, I think that I read it afterwards, you know, is that because at the end of the movie, uh, there is like some text saying like, oh, this happened. And then, uh, what was he like? The brother of the wife said like, oh, this had to be a murder. They would never commit suicide. So they opened like an investigation and they never found anything. It was like just like file like, and resolve. Yeah. It looks like a murder-suicide. Nobody understood their motivations. So um, so I agree with what you're saying, is that Michael Haneke is more interested in making statements about class, well, class essentially, right? And sometimes relationships, um, thinking about a more, yeah, he's heavily critical of the middle, upper middle class, upper class. Um, but because I knew going into this that it was based on a true story, I spent my emotional energy thinking about the real family that did just this and trying to understand what could have possibly motivated um, what looks from the outside like a happy, successful family. Um, so when you when you bring up the fact that it's a metaphor about the upper class, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I just wasn't paying attention to that while watching the film. Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> It felt, and before we started recording, I mentioned this, that is like, uh, we were comparing, well, we were mentioning Bernie's video, sorry, Bernie's, Bernie's video, Bernie, no Bernie, there were no meetings, there were no meetings involved on this one. You you saw the memes about Bernie, Bernie Sanders. I did, that poor Can I catch a break? Um, and that one shocked me, you know, I think that the violence was way more shocking than seeing a kid killing another kid and everything that happens afterwards, you know, is like, what the parents do is still, you know, like just block in my memory. You know, that actually this, the murder suicide felt a bit more of a random. To me, felt random. It's like, it feels like, and, and we get here, it's like, how, how did we get here? It's like, and it almost feels like you have been doing an hour of movie for just having 20 minutes of home destruction. But, I guess what I really like, what I, what I like about this is the mystery of this was a real family. A family did this, and we don't know the reasoning behind it. And Hanukkah is always very clinical. I feel like he's not empathetic with the characters he sees on screen, and we feel that as a director. So he has no sympathy for them. Um, so what I liked was like him trying to put a story behind this horrible, unexplained yeah. tragedy that happened. Yeah, but don't you feel, don't you have like some kind of empathy for the characters in Funny Games? With the family, not the two guys. I do, I think the viewers do, and that's what Hanukkah does. I don't think Hanukkah has any sympathy for anybody in his, in his movies. I will, I mean, I'm not saying like sympathy, you know, but it's like, I think that uh, he built them he built the family for actually developing empathy for them. So the, the audience could actually just feel worse and worse about what is happening to them. You know, but in this case, I I didn't feel it. I felt like the, the mother was, was a bitch. When she was like, uh, look, just tell me if you lied about this. Nothing is going to happen to you. Like, I won't hurt you is what she says. The what? I won't hurt you, is what she says. In, in but the, she, she right away loves her in the face. <laughs> so what kind of bitch is that? I mean, I just feel like, look, I don't know if the real, the real mother was like this or not, but that was a very silly thing to do. It's like your, your daughter, the poor thing, is not going to be like growing into a good adult. 
But you killed her. How old was that kid? Like six, seven? She pretended to be blind for like, what, five minutes at school and she got caught? It's not like a slappable offense. I mean, I think that even I just laugh at it. He's like, I'm an off moment. He's like, what do you think that it was going to happen? We get it. She wants attention from mommy. Like, we get it. Yeah. I don't know. I just... It's interesting because I see like many of the signs from Haneke, you know, that he likes to reuse like specific elements, you know. He does. And you can see, so, um, in my opinion, you can see where he's going to go, but it's not, in my opinion, to the level of even Benny's video or... 71 Fragments of a chronology, chronology of Chance. This was his first film, and you can see immediately there are things that are genius about this guy. There, he's a virtuoso in terms of imagery and collection of shots to really get a get a feeling, get a, a sense of, I don't know, I don't even want to say emotion, but maybe a tone. It's all there. It's just that this doesn't, like... It's not elevated. It is elevated. This is better than like your average film. It's just it is. not great. It is, but it's at the same time, is that we know where Haneke goes after this. It's similar to what we actually discussed about uh, Almodovar with Woman on the Verse of a Nervous Breakdown. Is that when I have already watched Funny Games, when I watched uh, White Rebo, when I watched Amor, when I watched even Cassette, is that if I actually go back to watch this, he said, yeah, he's the same director, definitely he's the same director. <laughs> but it's like after watching this, I felt like, okay, I'm going to play something. You know, I felt I mean, more or less like, well, I don't feel devastated as when I watch Funny Games. I don't feel like just this kind of cassette, like for example, you remember the ending of cassette that you feel is like, are you leaving me like this? Are you leaving me with no real resolution? Yeah, and it's it's interesting to think I've said this like nine times now, that this is his first feature-length film. It came out in 89. Three years later, he did Benny's video, which I think is an improvement. And then he did the one that blew everyone away at Cannes that was 71 Fragments of a Chronology of Chance. And then after that, it's Funny Games. So it's interesting, in my opinion, like as you progress through this, you see his like, his... Um... He develops some maturity, I think. You know, it's a maturity, like a huge, but yeah. also um, a what is it? Sadism, I think. <laughs> mm, well, I mean, you already mentioned that, for example, when the wife poisons herself, she goes back, and there is one minute. It's not seven, but it's one minute of. I'm going to just make you hear how she's just struggling to breathe and die. So it's interesting because I agree with you, the emotional impact is not the same as Funny Games, but oh, yeah. the horror was the same level for me. Yeah. That, the, yeah. Horror, the horror may be it, but it's like, that's the reason what I was saying, is that he didn't achieve developing that kind of empathy for the characters, with the audience. Not, not from him, but it's like he couldn't actually sell these characters. They were like just placeholders. But that's why I, I think yeah, you're right. I mean, he grew and figured out, like, oh, I'm going to have to make people care about these characters to elicit the response. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I know what I want them to feel. It's pretty clear that he knows what he wants to feel, but it's like, it doesn't work in the same kind of way. He's like, I remember about like, Bernie's video, Benny's video, and I'm sorry that I'm spoiling every single Haneke movie, but the last 30 seconds when they go to the police station, 
and the kid sells the parents out is like holy shit <laughs> that's so impactful to me about like okay it was impactful like seeing this kid killing the girl and then just leaving it there <laughs> you know basically or the parents like this was... that girl screams out of my head that was yeah. so horrific yeah or the kid or the mother taking the kid on a trip while the father gets rid of the body <sighs> and then that ending is just like oh my okay it's like I see like, such a jump in quality from this movie to that that it makes me feel this and maybe actually for him he shouldn't be like just working with stories like real life stories or even like just basing on books i don't even know if his work is usually based on a on someone else's writings it's an interesting question that i just went to look up because it's i feel like okay so he definitely wrote benny's video no surprise there um 71 fragments of a chronology of chance he wrote that himself funny games i guarantee you he wrote funny games the piano teacher he wrote it and the world cassette okay. he wrote it yeah. the white yep. people he wrote it and more he wrote it so Look, it's, uh, it's one of the rare directors that can direct what they write uh so well i mean and the thing is like he wrote also the seven continents but that's a story based on reality i mean that's the part i feel is that look it's cool but it's like i i'm interested you know it's like uh i think that is the same case as we we're talking about on motorwork with the women in the birds of an hour's breakdown if he were to do that movie now with his current sensibility for a motorwork's current sensibility for haneke's his current sadism is a they would have been like more impressive movies by today and you know like resisting the passes of time i think because they both grew as directors i agree so um we've been watching a lot of david lynch lately and i happen to own david lynch on dvd you so own <laughs> david lynch the director you almost everything <laughs> not even blu-ray it's dvd um and I was watching like a featurette, I think it was, I think it was Twin Peaks or maybe it was funny or uh, Wild at Heart, but an actor was saying that David Lynch had written the script. There's a lot of swear words, but when he was giving directions, he could not bring himself to say fuck. Um, <laughs> and so the actors were laughing like, you can write all of this, but you can't say it. So I tell this story, like, do you think if you were to sit down and have dinner with Michael Haneke, which by the way, for me, he would probably be among my top three choices. Um, do you think that he's like super dark and fucked up and jaded and disdainful of, of European culture? No, I don't think so. I don't think that he hates the world you know but he's a, the cat i i and i may be completely wrong i would like to just see some interviews with him like more interviews with him but as i had a feeling that for some people they want to balance things out you know that is like if you see that all cinema is selling you like the positives of life if you look around it's like everything is like frank capra is they going to say like fuck <laughs> this honestly fuck this is like i actually there is there is something terrible inside of us we cannot say that there is only something good inside of us. It's true, but at the same time, that we cannot deny. 
too optimistic films. <laughs> I I personally think so. I agree with you that this is a person that I would like to just have dinner with, you know, and just pick his brain about like, so are you are you going to try to murder me at some point during this dinner, you know? Uh, or David Lynch, I would like to just have a, the, the interviews that I see with him, I think, okay, this guy is a bit crazy, you know, as his cinema, but he's He's a genius. With Life on Trier, I don't think that I would want to have him. No, that guy's a piece of shit. I mean, I love his movies, but I don't want to talk to him at all. Watching him talk to York, talk to Jorgen Leth, and um, I was like, "Fuck you, you're a douchebag." I know, I know that you were miserable, but I, you didn't actually fulfill what you promised. So you have to go back and be miserable again. So that's, yeah, I felt more peace about that moment that every single time that I was the idiot. Wow, that's saying something because you hate the idiots. I hate the idiots, you know, but it's like at that point, I feel is a holy shit, you're a piece of shit. I would, uh, if anyone's listening, any five of you are interested, I'll, I'll pay $150 for anyone who's willing to listen to every podcast and tell to and keep track of how many times we bring up the idiots. <laughs> Do you think that is the movie that we mention more often? I think it's close. It's close. I think Funny Games is up there. I was going to say Funny Games, but I had the feeling that since we rewatch uh, The Idiots, it has just taken over Funny Games. And we also watch Funny Games, but it's like we already know, we both agree, Funny Games is great. It's amazing. It's almost like The Idiots is a palate cleanser. You're like, oh, Michael Haneke just beat the shit out of my soul, and then Lars von Trier acted like a fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 Fucking sorry, you know, one true trying to reinvent cinema, try to save cinema through an orgy of people pretending to be mentally challenged. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's that's the kind of genius that he is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, going back to uh, to Haneke and the Seven Continents, I feel it's a weird movie from the perspective that is like most of his elements are there. Like going back to Almodovar too, is like he doesn't have like the high heels. So you know, like uh, shoes, but you have many elements that you see in his movies. You know, like the middle class. You know, the kind of there is something wrong inside of us, and eventually it's going to be showing up. It's inherently wrong. Uh, but at the same time, the impact was not there for me. I don't know if for me it was like I, I think that I told you this morning we were saying, is that, oh, "Are we going to be like watching this or not?" And I told you, you said, "Well, I feel like pretty." a bit today, I think that I need Haneke to destroy my abitness. And after watching it, I felt like, no, I just feel good. Today's a good day. Interesting. So I, I agree with you. I didn't walk away from this film feeling like I had been kicked in the stomach, which is what I walk away from funny games with. Um, but talking about the arc of the director's career, so we start here, right, at the Seventh Continent, and we end at Amor. There was one extra film in 2017, Jose hasn't seen it, so we can't talk about that. I far prefer um, Hanukkah on the Seventh Continent side of the spectrum than Amor. Like, take those risks, be weird, like, do the things that are crazy and out there, because it's like Steve McQueen. Hunger wasn't perfect, neither was the sex one. Same. Can shame. But I like shame more than hunger, actually. Would you like 12 Years a Slave more than either of them? I mean, the problem with 12 Years a Slave is hunger and shame, they felt 
new. They feel fresh. They feel like just tackling like different stories that we have seen. They felt more raw. Is the uh, 12 minutes conversation in Hunger? Oh yeah, is amazing. Is still a bit flawed from the perspective that they couldn't actually just make it like just happen as a single shot, but it was close. Uh, and same, I like it. I really like it. I think like aesthetically is like way better than uh, than Hunger. It's clear that there is a like, way more maturity in what he's doing. You may you know, actually made the point of saying, like, it's not as important as hunger, you know, because of the topic that they take on. But with two years of sleep, I feel like this is this is good, but I'm sorry for saying this. It's a story that we have seen other times. It's not, you're, you're, you're not just using a different, you know, you're not using, like, a different angle or anything like that. It's... It's, it's almost, sorry, no, no. What I was going to say is almost like just seeing a concentration camp story nowadays. And I'm not saying that they are not important and that they shouldn't be done. But if you don't have like a different angle to a slavery movie, I feel that they fall a bit flat. And it's true that his style is still there. He's impeccable. But I just feel like, what else are you bringing to the table? So you like Shame more than I did, but I still liked it. But I would say that Shame is comparable to The Seventh Continent in how much I was emotionally invested in the characters. It was horrific watching this guy destroy his relationships and watching um, that British actress kill herself. I can't remember her name. Nothing's coming to mind right now. But I didn't walk away from that film, film feeling emotionally affected. Did you? Uh, I resonated with the characters a bit more. I like the sister, Carrie Mulligan. Yes. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan. I like her. I like her acting quite a bit. I like her a lot. A yeah. Lot. Yeah. And, uh, and Fassbender, you know, he was, he was good. It's, it's something that in the Fassbender for a while he was on everything and he basically disappeared. But for me, it worked. Okay, I love I love the relationship between like the two brothers, you know the siblings. Well, Michael Fassbender and Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. yeah. Siblings, not yeah, 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 the siblings. Sorry, yeah. Uh, I like that, and I I try to resonate with the idea. I mean, I, I never had like a point in my life that I consider myself as a addict. But about like the idea of I want more, I cannot stay with a single person and then say that okay, I'm going to try to be happy. And just trying to make a relationship work and they say, I can't. I, I just can't. I'm just giving up completely. And I feel like the kind of internal struggle is you know the struggle that both of them have, you know, in different ways, because the sister is basically like a drug addict. Is that I found it very powerful. What was she addicted to? The, the details of that film I've lost. I think that it was uh, heroin, but it, I cannot remember. It's like she actually just goes after recovering and then she starts using again because she's like completely lonely in New York. So I would like to point out that, well, I think both of us felt like um, the seventh continent failed to reach its lofty ambitions. You see a very like new director clearly has skills but oh yeah this one isn't a, a home run yeah. 
it has led us to talk about some of our favorite films and favorite directors. So I think that's just an indicator. This isn't oh, like up to standards of a more, but this is a good movie. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't get me wrong. Is that this for being like the first try? You know, it's amazing. It's, it's holy shit. I mean, I wish that all directors that they actually became amazing that they started at this point because this is a solid movie. But the only problem is like it's just a solid movie compared with amazing stuff that he's going to be later, that he's going to be doing. You know, is that this is not piano teacher? It's true that you don't have Isabel Huppert that elevates everything that she's seeing, I think. But, well, sorry, just remove that because otherwise I know we're going to be like watching the next time. Happy end? Mm-hmm. I wish. <laughs> I <laughs> wish. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking of But I think that actually okay. Isabel Huppert and Haneke, they are like a perfect match. Like completely. It's like Uma and Quentin. It's yeah. like, it's just synergy. They're, yeah. it's, they're a match made in heaven. Yeah, Isabel Huppert just signs when she plays a deranged woman. I'm not saying that she's a deranged woman, but it's like she. She's incredible on the role. It's so, so, so believable that it's uncanny. I will never get over the fact that she is a grandma doing those things on screen. What <laughs> if you saw your grandma acting in that? <laughs> but I mean, the funny thing is, I think that she likes to play those roles. That she's like, I'm amazing at this. I like to display like those women that they are not you know, at their best. Actually, I would like to just see Almodovar working with, with Hooper. If he actually had to do like a remake of women in the verse of a nervous breakdown, I wish that he actually, he actually worked with Isabel Hooper. That would be like a dream combo. And we should actually watch the trailer, sorry, the short that he did with Tilda Swinton. Oh, uh, yeah, you mentioned that to me, but I didn't watch it yet. Yeah. yeah. But going back to this, it's like, I don't think that it's a bad movie. And it makes me just feel the gaps that I have on a, on a how do you say, on, a, on Haneke filmography. But it's not something that I could recommend to anyone. You know, it's similar to what we we're discussing about uh, Almodovar. It's like if someone asks me, hey, can you recommend me like a good Haneke film? Probably this one, I think that is like, look, you're exactly on the same lines, in the same lines as Bernice video. I recommend this video before this. Uh, that's interesting. And I accept what you say. <laughs> <laughs> I was not looking for your acceptance. Oh, I know, I know, no. I, I hadn't thought about the question about would you recommend this film. I think it's an imperfect film. I would recommend it. Oh God, this sounds so pretentious. As like a challenge, like like, can you first off watch this all the way through and then tell me what you think about it? I would be interested to hear what people think about this movie. I would. Um, so I would recommend it in some situations. I'm never going to tell my mom to watch it. Uh, and Pablo, my husband, walked into the room while I was watching this and I was like, get out! Get out! You'll hate this! <laughs> Has he watched anything by Hanukkah? I Amor, no? Maybe. Oh yeah, we we he and I went and saw Amor together. Um, but I think that's it. I mean he he has a hard time watching sad things on oh. on on screen, but he loves sad stories in the news, which for me it's the direct opposite. Like don't don't tell me about the couple that froze to death in their car because they were snowed in, but 
Like, well, let's watch a couple kill their kid in the Michael Haneke film. I don't care. Well, but the thing is, like, in this case, this is based on the news. So you guys both can win. And that had a layered impact on me <laughs> um, <clears throat> that it obviously didn't have with you. Like, I was very invested in, like, something like this happened. Why? And Michael Haneke wasn't interested in really, I think, exploring why, even though all the reviews are like, oh, this is about isolationism and people not being to like engage with other people. And I don't think he cared about that. I think he just wanted to show, hey, this is something that happened. Like, yeah. let's watch this. Yeah, for him, it's not about like an explanation. I think that for him, it's a bit more his nature. Because we may go crazy one day and do like the most bizarre thing. I agree. So, and I, I think that's fine. But for me, it's like, I, honestly, it's like if I'm going to be like challenging someone with uh, Haneke, it's like I would challenge them with something a bit more rounded. It's not about challenging them with ha- Haneke. It's challenging them to um, to watch a film that's so clinical. And can you tolerate watching somebody destroy their their property? For whatever purpose Hanukkah wanted, for what? How, how long did you say that scene was? Maybe 20, 20 minutes? 20, yeah, 20 and a bit over, yeah. Um, so you wouldn't recommend it. Do you think... I don't think that it's bad, but it's like, I, would, I wouldn't recommend it like the first thing from Hanukkah. You know, if someone told me, that, hey, I watched already Bernie's video and, uh, and Funny Games. Where'd you go? Wait, can, you, can you separate this out from from Hanukkah's oof, like if you're not, if you're only considering the film as like kind of a completely separate thing from everything he did the next 30 years, does that change your perspective? But the thing is like, who who would I recommend it to? Do you know, is like, I would I recommend it to someone that I wanted to A, feel bad, or B, because I know that I like Hanukkah already. And if I wanted to make feel bad, it's like, I will go with fun games. Is I want you to feel torture on your soul. I think this movie just so falls in a middle ground that is like I just feel mm, it doesn't I see really. What say, but I also recommended this film to you. I wanted you to watch it because you know that I love Hanako. But it's like if I told you, that like, hey, I watch uh, the White Ribbon. You know, imagine that it's like 2021, and the only thing by Hanako that I watch is the White Ribbon. And I say, say I, I remember really liking this movie. What would you recommend by him? To be honest, if you liked The White Ribbon, I would say watch a more next. Yeah, because the mother and stuff. And yeah. that's kind of like on the tail end of his like growth to maturity. But yeah. if you really want to watch experimental, like Hanukkah when he was clearly his angriest, yeah, Funny Games is an option I recommended to you. And we were just talking about this, that we were confused why we hadn't scored Benny's video in our in our spreadsheet. It's because we didn't watch it together. I just recommended it to you. Yeah, because I never was the, the early staff. You know, so for me, it was a bit more after watching Funny Games, The White Ribbon, more. I just felt like this requires so much energy from my side. But it's quality cinema. It's like really amazing cinema. But it's like it requires so much energy from myself that I'm afraid of watching more stuff. And Benny's video. Does this video, require energy from you? 
not as much as I expected. I thought that it was going to be destroying me, as Benny's video did. And I thought it's like, sure. Maybe it's because it's a suicide, instead of actually just murdering and then just mauling an innocent girl. <laughs> but I just so many it, interesting subjects to explore with Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> and all of them, yeah, most of the time they end up in death. Yeah. So right now I'm adding happy end. Is it happy end or happy endings? Happy end. Happy end. And then I'm going to add an Isabel Huppert film that she just plays a happy divorcee. Actually, actually in Gasset, no one dies. No? If I recall correctly. I remember so little from Cachet besides you watch a pig get its throat slit. Yeah, but it's the guy receiving the uh, the videos and he started like just going completely paranoid and crazy about it. And he started like just digging into his past. And in the end, there is no like 100% resolution. But I just feel like there is no death or anything. It's a bit more of how this guy had like this latent feeling of about to go crazy more than anything else but there is no murder there is no suicide there is only like some violence it's like why are you hitting this teenager kid i actually think there's not a death in 71 fragments either it's more of a it almost feels like a an examination of some events from a religious perspective um it's interesting it's interesting how often he examines death and murder and suicide and and when he doesn't... Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, I see that it's a bit more... When we talk about how terrible people are, if we talk about, like, oh, they are evading taxes, is that that's a mother concept. It's an artificial concept. But if we're talking about murder, that's completely 100% timeless. <laughs> do you know? Is but do you would... think Hanukkah really examines morals in this film? On this film? No. I think that on this film it's only about like just class and alienation. Do you think that funny games is like a morality thing? <sighs> I ask this question because I feel like the point of it being so clinical is not to, not to even examine that. It's just to be like these things happen. What do you think about them? I, well, it's true that is that does, these things happen, but I also think that is like he tries to say these things happen because they are deemed to happen because of his, his own nature. Is that we cannot And that's not moral things. or immoral. This no, no, no it's, yeah, it's like just, how you say, like just violent objective. You know, he tries to just portray this like, and here it goes. It happened just exactly like this. You had to deal with it. You know, it's like and he actually says that when the two uh, the two guys from uh, Funny Games is like uh, the uh, the mother is asking that like, why you guys are doing this. Is that like, look? We could tell you that is because we had a terrible childhood or we were abused when we were kids or we have like a lot of drugs. Like, but the truth is that it's not any of that. Is that like, you can find excuses, but most of the time there is no reason. Don't they say that it's just for entertainment value? Is that because they're bored? 
yeah. because yeah. they're bored. You know, yeah. and we find this entertaining, but it's like from the perspective, but if it's entertaining, it's because there is no reason for it. I mean, entertaining is not a reason for murdering someone. It's, I think about like the white ribbon. You know, the white ribbon at the end is like, it's the kids. The ones that they are like just murdering people. And we have like the scene where it's like, okay, what, what do we do? Is it how do we actually just judge all the kids that they have gone basically crazy? And they have started like just killing random people around with random accidents. Is it, we cannot do anything. But at the same time, it's like, why did the kids do that? Is because that's not the nature. So you and I, we share a tremendous um, amount of taste when it comes to cinema. I was actually thinking about this today, that we love to hate Lars von Trier. We love to love Lars von Trier. We love Annika. <laughs> we, we love all the same things. But The White Ribbon is a film that fell so flat for me. And oh. you, I know, I know. So I just added it to our list okay. to watch it because yeah. I would love to watch it again and then hear what you have to say about it. So uh, let me just give you like a bit of context and I'm pretty sure that if we watch it, I will give the same context, but that will probably be in two years. Just give it the amount of movies that we already have on the list. <laughs> exactly. So uh, when I went to watch it, I don't remember if I told you this, I also went, I was dating like, this guy from Barcelona. I know that you love Barcelona. Uh, and the, uh, the thing is that we used to meet only a couple of times a month because I was living on the other part of the country. And every single time that I used to go is that we was like some cinema. He was in love with Ima Berman and she used to score me because I didn't like The Seven Seal. I will say that The Seventh Continent, I mean, clearly Hanukkah is a disciple of Ingmar Bergman with his close-ups of the face. Anyway, continue, Sure, sorry. sure. But in any case, is that we used to watch, we used to go to the cinema, you know, like in the cinemas and the likes, like just watching like cool cinema. There, there is a, a neighborhood that I love in, uh, in Barcelona, Gracia, I think that is called, that it would be like the mission here but if the mission actually had like more life to it you know like more indie cinemas and the likes so we went to watch a clean eastwood movie uh one i think that is with matt damon that there is a bit of a presentation of a reality of the afterlife about like when they die they don't really die they stay around us is it the one where he's a psychic and he, anyone he touches yeah jesus yeah and that was Terrible. It was like just. I was like just for half of the movie. It's like, what the fuck were you thinking? It's like I respected you as a director. What the fuck is going on here? And we finished it. I remember like just him looking at me and says that this has been so touching. It has been, you know, you have to think that there is more to love. Blah blah. blah. And I felt it's you're insane. And dating an insane person. It's like I understand that people can like this movie for whatever reason, but this is weird and then we went towards the white ribbon and i remember that it's like basically when it was over i was like just with my mouth completely open you know my seat about like wow you know like the several layers of sickness that this have is amazing and, and his reaction and his reaction was like this was done i don't <gasps> get it i don't get what this was like so important or what even like just matter in any kind of way like, so when I, I just want to be clear that when the white, I said the white ribbon fell flat for me, it's not that I didn't think it was 
spectacular is that I didn't emotionally connect with anything in that story. So continue, sorry. Yeah, yeah but I think, I think that is fine, like not connecting with it because it's like a, I think that on that movie, Hanek is trying to be more conceptual, you know, more about like, and, and this, I think that it actually just relates to how the seven continent is you know, from the perspective that it's not about those characters, those specific characters on the screen. It's about like the reality of the middle class and about a, a middle class family that they decide to say is like, fuck it. We're going to be like denying everything that defines the middle class. We're going to be like just feasting like crazy and then just throwing all our money down the drain and then killing ourselves. <laughs> you know, I mean, this case about like the white ribbon, it was not about like, the specific characters, it was not like the funny games that is is about that family. You know, in this case, I felt like it was a bit more about what about if your kids that is supposed to be who you are going to be protecting and they cannot do anything wrong, they are evil. What can you do? And the answer is nothing. And that answer just left me like petrified about like, it's true, what are you going to do? Are you going to be like just hanging all the kids and starting over? Do you think that that is a concept that he explores in, if not all, most of his films, is that these things happen, you can feel or not feel about them, but you can't do anything about it. You're gonna watch your loved ones die and like, in a more, you're going to watch senseless murders yeah, happen. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm over for example, is that you're going to be like seeing your loved one that you have spent like 60 years of your life next to them, like degrading next to you. And what can you do? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Until one day you actually say, it's like, I cannot put up with this anymore. And it's exactly the same thing with, uh, uh, I forgot which one, but it's like he basically just burns out is is a bit more of the feeling that we under specific circumstances we could do stuff that we don't think that we'd be capable of doing is every time we should do more in this podcast i think about the wife spitting out her food and the husband slapping her and i'm just like why why michael why do you do this to me? <laughs> but but the thing is that you are not under those circumstances i i love that scene because i think it's like these guys that they were like so cultivated, so intellectual, elevated kind of people, and they actually gave birth to Isabel Huppert. It's like, and, and they yeah. actually. I hadn't forgotten that 100%. She's in that movie. She's the daughter. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that's the reason why I say is that I think that Huppert and Haneke, they're like perfect for each other. She's the daughter there, she's the piano teacher and the piano teacher, but I. I just feel it. That's that's amazing. That actually just don't you have situations that you are like so pushed over the line that there is like a dark thought in the back of your mind. It's like I just fucking want to do that. It's like, I'm not yeah. going to do it. But it's like Haneke, yeah, and Haneke, Haneke. What he says is that we all have that thought. We all. He's like, but what about if we actually active on it? And I think that from that perspective, it's like um, the seven continents is 100% honest to the message that Haneke does in all his movies. He say they act upon that, that, that feeling about like, okay, we are 
just discontent with everything that we are, that we have come to a realization about like what we are in society, that we are consumers, that we are like just merely passengers in this life. Because like, what about if we say like, fuck it, we're going to destroy everything that represents us. Yeah, I agree with you. I Everything that you just said, I agree with. And I think that talking about his progression as a filmmaker, he learned how to introduce emotion, how to ma manipulate his audience emotionally. <laughs> it was great about the clinical view, about showing things methodically that continued throughout everything. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. It's like then he actually learned how to be a sadist in a better way. Yeah, he did. And I love it. I'm a masochist. Thanks. Michael. <laughs> uh, should we score? Oh, sorry, should we go over the questions? Let's do it. So we already answered, would you recommend it? You said no. I think there are certain situations like with you, with with certain people that I would, I, hey, you have some interesting film taste. Let's see your reaction to this. <laughs> but would you feel like more curious about the reactions to Benny's video? Um... So the only reason I hesitate is because I feel like Benny's video is a little bit more straightforward uh, in terms of like a, a narrative, whereas mm. the Southern Continent is, is fairly experimental. We watched 20 minutes of them destroying their house almost <laughs> silently. Uh, and then yep. there's this horrific ending. Um, so, well, to be honest, I recommended Benny's video to you way before the Seventh Continent. So yeah, I, I probably would recommend Benny's video, but I think Benny Benny's video is way harsher emotionally. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that movie destroyed me when I watched it. Like, no, no, never going to watch it. Thank you. Uh, and actually, is that like, would you watch it again? Clearly, the answer is yes. I had seen this movie before. I wanted to watch it again. I wanted to watch it with you. I wanted to talk about it. Um, I don't think I would watch it again for another five, ten years, but. I, I think I would be happy to come back to this film. Yeah, for me, it's a bit more of a... I will watch it again, but probably I won't be making an effort for watching it again. In my for example, I'm like dating someone and that person is like, oh, I just discovered Haneke. Is that like, okay, I mean, if you're watching any Haneke movie, I will watch it with you. But probably I won't go out of my way for watching this movie again. That makes sense. So you're not opposed to watching it, but you're not going to seek it out. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit more is that I just tick this checkbox, but if it's playing on TV, yeah, I watch it again. I mean, it's not a bad movie. <laughs> Which but... channel is going to show this? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really good question. I don't think that ABC is going to be like playing this, you know, like network TV, like, oh, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> a family player exactly. kill themselves. Exactly. Um, could you remember it? Did you remember? Because you already watched it. Did you remember all the details of this movie? I, I I can't remember if this is on the recording or before. I was shocked at how poorly I remember this film. I remember this film. I remember the third act incredibly clearly. I, I don't remember the first two acts. So what do you mean when they spend like 20 minutes destroying their house? Destroying their house, the murder, suicide. Um, I don't, I didn't even remember the letters or the job or the shopping and having the big meal. So clearly this film to me personally is impactful, at least part of it. Because of the 20 minutes of destroying the house. Yeah, that was really, really impactful for me. I had never seen anything like that in a film and affected me as like a 25 year old. 
As I told you, I think that American networks, they should take that concept about like just hiring, you know, like just having like three families participating into this, about like you have to destroy your house like the fastest. And if you actually succeed, you get a new house, like double the size. And the other two, they have to commit murder suicide. <laughs> I think that is a perfect you know, reality. That murder suicide, like this is what you get. <laughs> exactly. You made now, your point. To your <laughs> listen to your wife drown in her her, her vomit. Oh God. Uh, I'm not sure if I will remember this. One of the things that I feel a bit pissed is like when I see movies that the title has zero connection to the movie itself. I, I did want to ask you about the title and there's there's a shot, I don't know how long it lasts, maybe 20, 30 seconds of what yeah. looks like, like a but it's like an unnamed place that this family clearly thinks that they're going to through these actions. And I did find that shot oddly like- uh, Eerie? Calming. No, not here. I was like, oh, like this family is, is finally finding the peace that they couldn't find. Um, but I, I, my emotional state today wasn't the best. So I feel like everything is a little bit skewed. I liked that one abstract scene, um, but I don't know that it's, it's enough to tie the title and, and what Hanukkah was trying to get across. I, it's, yeah. it's a slam. It's not a home run or a slam dunk like most Hanukkah films. Yeah, I feel that that felt a bit flat. You know, that part of the concept, it just felt like, mm, it, you don't realize it. You don't take it home, you know? It just feels like it's an okay idea, you know? But it's like you don't double down on it. I just feel it's a bit more about like the middle class, more than actually about like just finding a secret Eden that is going to be like solving all your problems because there are no problems. That's the, that's the problem here, that there is no like real problems. It's that like everything is fine. Per regular standards. Uh, if I'm going to remember it, I'm not sure, honestly. I'm curious if I can remember it. I'm going to set a, a Google Calendar reminder in six months. For two years, okay. Hey, what's that? What do you think about this movie? I mean, maybe the 20 minutes of the story in their house. I mean, if the movie was called Homewreckers, <laughs> I will remember it for sure, but it's like, with this title, like, it just feels like, I, no, I don't. And it's true that it's like, maybe it's the idea of, okay, you're living like this mundane life, every single day the same, every single day the same. And the first time that we see Australia is that when they're like going through the uh, car wash and they leave the car wash, and say, Australia, the ultimate paradise. I mean, they say something similar to that. And I feel it's like, well, but they never really talk about Australia except when they are just withdrawing all their money. And they say, oh, we're moving to Australia. So it it doesn't have the elements for me to remembering it. Maybe I would just remember that I watched it, but I won't remember the specifics. I can buy that. And like I said, I remembered the final act. I didn't remember the first two thirds at all. How did you feel when they break the aquarium? Um, for me, that scene absolutely worked. I, I think it just represented, one, they had doubts about what they were planning to do to their daughter. Two, they clearly had some emotional connections to this world that they were pretending they didn't have. It was all about like having second thoughts. And I think in that scene, it showed so well that each one of them were like, are we doing the right things? And I liked it a lot. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that that thing was powerful to me. And I also felt worse about the feces than about the dollar. I, it was hard for me to watch. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is well, I mean, the reason is because I know that they didn't kill that, kid, that, that child, you know. I'm pretty sure that they didn't kill the child. I mean, I want to think that Haruki would have got that far, but it's pretty clear that they killed those fishers. I kept telling myself, no, somebody was right behind that camera and they picked those fish up and they put them in water. And I was like, do they do that in Austria? I mean, they wouldn't if they were Jews, but they're fish. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was thinking exactly the same thing. It's like, there is someone with a fish bowl. They're going to save them. Don't worry. And then I was thinking, I know they are letting them like just die slowly and just with the camera just you know like facing them so yeah that scene made me feel a bit of a you're going too far but at the same time like, i eat fish don't kill the fish <laughs> Sally, i eat fish i don't care why actually just seeing like the torturing of the fish about like nope nope we're letting it down you know and recording it it made me feel like I, so I, I felt very uncomfortable watching the fish struggle on the ground but i i definitely was more impacted um, by that, them killing their daughter. That was truly horrific for me. Uh, I think that we already answered this, but is there anything artistic about this movie? 100%. You see the genius he has by collecting these beautiful shots and building a story together. Whether or not it, it resonated with you emotionally, you can't deny, especially as a first film. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those scenes with the, uh, how you say, like, top-down perspective, or, you know, like, from the side, that you don't see them. That is, like, it's another thing what it makes me feel like they are, like, just placeholders. That is, like, we don't need to see their faces. We need to see what they are doing. And what they're doing is, like, just consuming or buying. You know? It's all the time. It's about that. When we see them doing something, it's like, yeah, we see the faces. But otherwise, it's like, they are just, they could be us. That's what yeah. Haneke was to say. And I, I thought that it's like, okay, you're not looking at the camera doing this. You are not as blunt as David Lynch, for example, with the things that he's trying to do about like, yeah, you know? But this has been like subtle enough. The only problem that I had is like, he uses that resource so many times across this movie that I felt is like, ah, it's, it's a bit too much. Yeah, I agree. But besides that is, it's amazing. You told me that this on the Criterion Collection? Uh, I watched it on the Criterion channel, so I have to assume that it's in the Criterion Collection. That's cool, yeah. Uh, do you think that it's a timeless piece? Yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. whether or not it succeeds in what I was trying to do, there's... Yeah, no, there, there's nothing that like roots it in the 80s besides like the, the telephone thing, but um, what it's trying to examine is a timeless thing. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I feel agree. I think that this is, from that perspective, is that you could see this in the 80s, in the 2000s, or probably 100 years in the future. It would still just be the same idea. <laughs> could you turn this into a TV show? Absolutely not. <laughs> One hour and 40 minutes was more than enough. Well, as I told you, yes, I would turn it into a reality TV show. Like the, the third act about like destroying a house, I think that that's made for American TV. But you wouldn't, you want to turn it into a game show. You don't want to see like 24 episodes of what we oh, actually- no. No, 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 no. I just want to also just see people destroying their own houses. 
without knowing what they're going to be like getting out of it. I, I think that that's actually like a pretty good idea, you know, from the perspective that, you know, like the price is right and all of these that, that you don't know exactly what is in the box, what is going, and I'm not talking about seven, but it's like, <laughs> what are you going to be like getting out of it? Imagine that you go to a random house in, I don't know, Oklahoma, and you know, it's like, hey, if you destroyed your house in one hour, you could get whatever is in this box. Yeah, I agree. And that would be interesting to see because it's like those 20 minutes for me was like, this is destruction porn. This is basically it. Like there is no longer any kind of point. You could summarize it in three minutes and I would have worked exactly the same way. So I disagree with you. I don't think this was destruction porn because that's just like, hey, let's watch things be destroyed again well, because I knew this was based on real events. It's like, hey, this happened. Why? True, but at the same time, it's like, I think the powerful part is not about that it happened in reality. It's because it's their own stuff. For example, for me, the powerful part is about the pictures. It's true that nowadays our pictures, sorry, our pictures are on the cloud and in 100 different places in social media. But it's a back in the day. Is I'm pretty sure that your mother also has like these photo books, and probably she never digitalized them. Is that those are memories? My parents have those from when I was born. Is that those pictures are only there? They are memories. They would never get rid of them. They are like an special thing. Is that they're seeing the mother like that's going methodically over each one of the pictures and say like fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Is that that part is pretty powerful? And I would like to see like just random people doing that. Is that would you be like just daring to go over the things that you know that you cannot replace? That there is no way of getting back. Things that you actually, when it's a rainy day, you could be like going back to because it actually fills you with joy and destroy them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. As my answer is that I wouldn't do it, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I would be curious to see, is that would people do it? You know, and just, some, just my perspective from the American perspective is that just for reinforcing the consumerism that it trigger according to the kind of narrative and imagery that Haneke presents here, that it just triggers like the family to want to kill themselves. Yeah, I get it. So yeah, I think this would be the perfect uh, show for the network from the network movie from Cinema. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it would be perfect there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so scoring? Uh, I, I, I went back and forth a lot. I, I, it's not a perfect film, but I still think that compared to the entire spectrum of film, it's definitely above average, and I would call it a seven. All right, for me, it's a six point five. And that's the other one I considered, but this is elevated for me. Yeah, for me, it's, it's good, but it's like I, if this was not Hanukkah, you know, maybe I'm not completely unbiased about this, if this was not Hanuk, if this was a random director, I would be like, yeah, seven, definitely. But for me, when I compare with everything else that he would be producing after this, I feel it's, it falls flat. It falls like just, you know, when you have like a, a Coke on the uh, on the fridge for two months and then you open it, it's like, it's like you're expecting to still see some bubbles, like, like a small fish, like, that's exactly how I felt about like, eh, sure, you can speak. 
It's not bad. Definitely, it's not bad. But it's like I was expecting a bit more. That's fair, and and that's why I was asking you throughout the discussion. Like, can you separate this from the rest of his films? Because I do deserve it. it I do think it deserves to be examined as a standalone piece. But yes, you're right. It's part of that entire arc of his career. We've seen what he's done in the what 32 years since the release of this. So I get it. Yeah, it's basically exactly what you were talking about. A woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown. That is that when you compare it with Pagan Glory, it's just like, yeah. is this serious? Yeah, no. Is this There's from no the same <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I think that it's like, okay, this is from the same director, but it's like the sensibilities are the same. The only thing is, it's not so mature as everything else that is going to be like this. Put in later. Cool. So, for the next movie, anything else to say about this movie? So I, I will say that right before, so Jose, I don't know if you knew, he's not from America, he's from Spain. Um, so he's not an SNL disciple, which <laughs> I'm, I would say I'm a moderate fan. So I asked him to watch the skit Debbie Downer, which if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and watch it. I just read the super amusing review of The Seventh Continent, and it said, Michael Haneke could be the Debbie Downer of cinema if he had a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely he doesn't have a sense of humor. No, That's... he doesn't. It's all serious. But he is Debbie Downer. So. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're feeling good? <laughs> Let me just fix that. Let me tell you about feline AIDS because it's a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I only was like two minutes of it. And yeah, I get that. Yes, that yeah, that's, that's basically the thing. So you read the review from the New York Times? I did, movie? yeah. What, what did they say? They said that this was like a s incredibly talented sophomore in college made a film because clearly there's some amazing things about it but there are some serious problems with the script holy shit i mean i wish that i went to that college if i could actually make this as a sophomore student yeah, I mean, they said incredibly talented, but they were like, look, when the when the child of an ophthalmologist decides to pretend to be blind, and then and he, they said, I think the last straw for him was watching the fish flopping on the ground. They're like, okay, we get it. Everything is hopeless. Fuck you. <laughs> well, that's true, and that's his style, but it's like, he still did it in a very... Uh, how do you say, like, correct way? I don't know if it's correct, but it's like, he's... He's talented. Talent. Yeah, yeah, he has a vision. He has a perspective. Yeah, and you may think that it's a sophomore effort because it's a bit on the nose, but it's like, come on, it's like, there is, there is sophomore efforts and sophomore efforts, and this is not one of them. So what are we watching next? It's your so, pick. Yeah, it's my pick, and I made the mistake, we mentioned this before the podcast, of thinking, I always second guess myself thinking that uh, Haneke is uh, German but he's not he's not he's Austrian he's Austrian but it's like, as they speak German too it's like, I always like, second guess myself about this so uh, I thought that it's like, <laughs> okay I know we're going to be like watching this that I threatened you for a while about watching another movie of one of the most bizarre German directors ever that is Fassbinder and I wanted to at least just watch a movie that you already watched and I wanted to watch that is The Marriage of Maria Brown. And that's going to be your next pick. 
Yep, so it's a film I've seen. I watched it years ago. I thought it was incredible. It was the first thing I'd seen by this director. Now that I've seen a couple other films, I'm like, eh. Yeah, he it, it, himself, it, but yeah, we'll that, that didn't prepare you for Carol. No, I did not. <laughs> uh, but in any case, before we talk about this, I think that we're going to be like talking about something else. A surprise episode that varies a little bit from our norm. <laughs> exactly. So just leaving leaving people hanging there about like what is coming. <laughs> All right. Uh, this was great. Uh, thank you so much for just making me watch a Hanukkah movie and not destroying my soul. I appreciate yeah, it. You're welcome. All right. And to everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. And wash your hands, even if you're vaccinated. Just wash those hands. Exactly. <laughs> Bye.